Welcome to Jazz Piano Skills. I'm Dr. Bob Lawrence. It's time to discover, learn, and play jazz piano. Today we are going to continue our journey exploring the traditional locked hands approach. Today, though, however, we're going to discover the dominant sound. We are going to learn how to harmonize dominant scales and arpeggios using traditional locked hands. And we are going to play traditional locked hands for the dominant sound from the root through the seventh of the sound using scale motion and from the root through the thirteenth of the sound using arpeggio motion. So as I always like to say, regardless of where you are in your jazz journey, a beginner, an intermediate player, an advanced player, or even if you are a seasoned and experienced professional, you are going to find this Jazz Piano Skills podcast lesson exploring the traditional locked hand voicings for the dominant sound to be very beneficial. If you are new to Jazz Piano Skills, if you are a new Jazz Piano Skills podcast listener, I want to take just a minute right here and right now to personally invite you to become a Jazz Piano Skills member. Visit jazzpianoskills.com to learn more about the abundance of jazz educational resources, materials, and services that are available for you to use to help you become a more accomplished jazz pianist. For example, you have, as a Jazz Piano Skills member, access to all the educational podcast packets, the illustrations, the lead sheets, the play-alongs that I develop and that are available for every single weekly podcast episode. Also, as a Jazz Piano Skills member, you have access to the Sequential Jazz Piano Curriculum, which is a loaded curriculum with comprehensive courses using a self-paced format, educational talks, interactive media, video demonstrations, play-alongs, and a whole lot more. Also, as a Jazz Piano Skills member, you will have a reserved seat to the online weekly masterclasses, which are in essence a one-hour online lesson with me each and every week. And also, as a Jazz Piano Skills member, you have access to the private Jazz Piano Skills community, which hosts a variety of engaging forums, podcast-specific forums, course-specific forums, and, of course, general jazz piano forums as well. Last but certainly not least, as a Jazz Piano Skills member, you have unlimited, unlimited private, personal, and professional educational support whenever and as often as you need it. So take a second. If you are not a member, take a second and visit jazzpianoskills.com to learn more about all the educational opportunities and how to easily activate your membership. If you have any questions, please reach out. Let me know. I am always happy to spend some time with you and help you in any way that I can. I also want to remind everyone to check out the Jazz Panel Skills blog. Whether you are a Jazz Panel Skills member or not, you can enjoy reading some additional insights regarding the Jazz Piano Skill of the Week. You will find the blog link in the menu bar running across the top of the page at jazzpianoskillspodcast.com. Or you can just simply scroll to the bottom of the page and you'll see an entire blog section. I take some time at the end of each week to jot down my final thoughts about the Jazz Piano Skill explored in the weekly podcast episode and hopefully provide you with some words of encouragement and inspiration as well. So be sure to check out my blog and let me know what you think. I welcome your feedback. It is always very 
Very much appreciated. Okay, let's discover, learn, and play jazz piano. Let's discover, learn, and play traditional dominant locked hands voicings. Wow, here we go. So to begin, just in case you haven't had an opportunity to listen to last week's Jazz Piano Skills podcast episode, where I presented an overview, a description of what the jazz world is referring to when discussing locked hands, I thought I would take a second and do a quick recap. If you did listen to last week's episode, you will recall that I presented an outline of the locked hands approach, the locked hand style, that I lifted from Wikipedia, which I don't normally do or rely on, but in this case, Wikipedia is actually spot on. The locked hand style, according to Wikipedia, is a technique of chord voicing for the piano popularized by jazz pianist George Shearing. It is a way to implement the block chord method of harmony on a keyboard instrument. The locked hands technique requires the pianist to play the melody using both hands in unison, right? An octave, an octave apart. The right hand plays a four-note chord inversion, in which the melody note is the highest note in the voicing. And the other three notes of the chord are voiced as closely as possible below the melody note, which is the definition of a block chord. Now, the left hand doubles the melody note one octave lower. So to achieve this result, the pianist's hands must be placed close together on the keyboard, and both hands move simultaneously in the same direction. And again, to the observer, to someone watching the pianist play locked hands, the pianist's hands appear to be locked together. The technique, this locked hands approach or technique, had been employed by numerous jazz pianists prior to sharing, such as Phil Moore, Duke Ellington, Count Basie, and Red Garland. Shearing said he first was exposed to the approach through Milt Buckner, the pianist for Lionel Hampton, and the musician considered to be the originator of the technique. This harmonic approach, this harmonic technique, was also used in the horn arrangements of Glenn Miller's big band and is a staple of modern big band arranging. Again, kudos to Wikipedia for an excellent, succinct summary of the locked hands approach used by practically every jazz pianist on planet Earth. The bottom line is this. Any aspiring jazz pianist should spend time studying and practicing this iconic jazz piano sound. And that is why I am dedicating an entire series to walking you through the construction of these essential jazz piano voicings so you can begin to successfully study, practice, and use them in your own playing. So let's get after it. Let's discover, learn, and play locked hands dominant voicings. So the agenda for today, the educational agenda for today is as follows. Number one, I am going to present seven locked hands voicings, one for each note of the dominant scale, the mixolydian mode. Number two, 
I am going to present 10 exercises, just as I did last week, 10 exercises that focus on compact scale and arpeggio motion to minimize linear movement. And number three, I am going to present one exercise that spans the entire dominant scale from the root to the seventh of the sound, and one exercise that plays the entire arpeggio, dominant arpeggio, spanning from the root to the 13th of the sound. All in all, I will be presenting a total of 12 exercises today. Number four, I will be constructing all of the voicings, all the voicings that you hear today, will be using the traditional locked hands approach. And number five, I will be playing all demonstrations today, all exercises, using a tempo of 120. As always, I highly recommend using slower tempos. Believe it or not, 120 is kind of a snappy tempo when you're trying to learn a jazz piano skill. So I highly recommend beginning at slower tempos, 60, 70, 80, whenever you begin to physically explore a new jazz piano skill. This jazz piano skill, locked hands for the dominant sound, it's a big time skill. Just as last week, the locked hands for the minor sound was, was and is a big time skill. Locked hand voicings will forever change how you think about scales and the harmonization of melody lines. It will forever change how you play scales, arpeggios, and melodies. And it will dramatically change your jazz piano sound. So if you are a jazz piano skills member, I want you to take just a few minutes right now to download and print your podcast packets, the illustrations and the lead sheets. You have access to to the podcast packets and you should absolutely be using them during your listening of this podcast episode. And certainly you should be using them while sitting at the piano and practicing as well. Right, so you have access to these podcast packets, so take a second right now to, to download them, access them, download them, to have them at your fingertips. If you're listening to this podcast on any of the popular podcast directories, such as Apple or Google or Amazon, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Pandora, on and on and on, then be sure to go to jazzpanelskillspodcast.com to download your podcast packets, and you will find the download links in the show notes. And one final but extremely important note that I am including in every podcast episode from here on out, that if you are thinking that this specific jazz piano skill today, the traditional dominant locked hand voicings, if you are thinking that this skill is in some way or in all the way over your head, then I would say to you, okay, big deal. So what? Continue to listen. Continue to grow your jazz piano skills intellectually by listening to this podcast episode. I've said this a million times. The fact, the truth is simply this. All skills are over our heads when they are first introduced to us. And that is precisely why the first step to learning any jazz piano skill is to begin with just listening. All musical growth begins upstairs, mentally, intellectually. 
before it can come out downstairs physically in your hands. So listen. Listen to this podcast lesson now to discover and learn. The play will come in time. I guarantee it. Okay, let's begin with our very first voicing, locked hand voicing for the dominant sound. So in your left hand, I want you to play C, the note C, below middle C. And then in your right hand, I want you to play E, G, B flat, and then C, middle C with your little finger. Right? So basically in your right hand, you have a C dominant 7 in first inversion, and you have the C doubled in, my, in your left hand, right? One octave apart. The C is the melody note. Pretty straightforward dominant voicing. Now, if the next note of the scale, the dominant scale, the note D is my melody, I'm going to keep the guts of the voicing the same. And all I'm going to do is move my thumb up to D in my left hand and my little finger up to D in my right hand. That's it. So now these two voicings side by side sound like this. C in my melody. C is my melody. Now D is my melody. Nice. Nice, lush, thick, dense voicings. So what I want to do is I want to bring the ensemble in and I want to practice these two shapes side by side to get familiar with them. Okay? And... Uh, then once I get familiar with them and comfortable with them physically, I can begin to have some fun with them rhythmically and come up with some rhythmic vocabulary, some melodic motifs using these two shapes, these two sounds. So let's bring the ensemble in. Let's check it out, and then we'll talk about it. Here we go. Classic locked hands voicings. Classic locked hands sound. Now, today I'm using C dominant for all of my examples. Last week I used C minor. Today I'm using C dominant. Typically I would go to, say, maybe an F dominant because I would be setting up a, a 2 5 1 progression, which we are going to eventually be doing as well using locked hands. But I, I'm sticking with the same chord family because I want you to see how incredibly similar these structures, these voicings are from C minor to C dominant, and then next week also C major, right? Again, kind of illuminating the fact that these 
voicings do not enjoy autonomy, right? So when you're practicing your minor locked hand voicings, you're actually, believe it or not, practicing shapes that are very similar to the dominant voicings and to the major voicings. So I'm intentionally sticking with the same chord family from an educational perspective. I think you're going to find it to be very beneficial sticking, learning, getting familiar with these shapes and sounds, staying within the same chord family. Okay, so now let's go to our next two-note grouping from the scale. So we're going to go to the third and to the fourth. So that's going to be the note E and the note F. We're going to treat E as our melody. We're going to tr treat the note F as our melody. So in my left hand, I'm going to play the note E with my thumb. In my right hand, I'm going to play the note G, B flat, D, and E. Now you could play G, B flat, C, and E, right? But I'm substituting that root with the ninth because I just like that sound. Plus, you're going to see here in a second, it minimized the, the movement when I go to the fourth. So that block voicing sounds like this. And again, I have E, G, B flat, D, and E. Now, to go to the fourth as the melody, the note F, again, the guts of the chord stay the same. And all I do is I move my thumb up to F in my left hand and my little finger in my right hand up to F. That's it. So now those two voicings side by side. The third is the melody. Now the fourth. Right? So the guts of the voicing, the locked hand, stays the same. It's the melody, melody note that's changing. Just as it did for the root and for the second, for the C and the D. So now let's bring the ensemble back in and let's hear these two shapes, these two sounds side by side. And again, once I get familiar with those shapes physically, I can start to add some rhythmic vocabulary to try to discover some melodic motifs, right? So let's bring the ensemble in. Let's check it out, see what we think. Here we go. Nice sounds, really, really nice sounds. Now, the next two notes in the scale, the fifth and the sixth, right? The note G and the note A. So we're going to start with the note G in our left hand in our thumb. In our right hand, B flat, D, E, and G. 
So that locked hand voicing sounds like this. Now again, I could have had B flat C E G in my right hand, but I'm substituting that root with the ninth because I like the sound. But also, when we go to the six, when we go to the A as the melody, all I have to do is move my thumb in my left hand up to A and my little finger that's on the G up to the A. And what stays the same again? The guts of the voicing. So I get this, my G, to my A. The guts of the voicing are staying the same. The melody note, G and A, is the only change. Just like from C to D, and just like from E to F. So now, let's bring the ensemble back in. Let's listen to these two locked hand voicings with the melody G and the melody A, these two shapes and these two sounds, and see what we think as we drop them into a musical context. And once again, we're going to get used to the shapes first physically, then start to add some rhythmic vocabulary, some rhythmic variation to discover some melodic motifs. So here we go. Let's check it out and see what we think. So now we have just one more note of the scale to harmonize using locked hands, and that's the seventh or the note B flat. But I'm going to pair that up with our sixth with our A. So we're going to start with our A, B flat, D, E, A. And then we're going to move up to B flat in my left hand. And then straight up, C dominant 7. C, E, G, B flat. So those two locked hands side by side sound like this. Nice. One more time. A is my melody. B flat is my melody. And just as we did with the root and second, and the third and fourth, and fifth and sixth, we're now going to do with the sixth and seventh. I'm going to get familiar with those shapes, those sounds, first and foremost. Then I'm going to begin to add some rhythmic vocabulary, some rhythmic variation to discover some melodic motifs, a little improvisation. So bring the ensemble in. Let's drop these two locked hand voicings into a musical context, into a musical setting, and see what we think. Here we go. Thank you. 
so we have now literally harmonized the entire C dominant scale, the Mixolydian mode. We have now taken that entire scale and we have harmonized it using a traditional locked hands approach. So it sounds like this. Very nice. We're going to look at the scale motion and arpeggio motion at the end, at the end of the podcast. But I just wanted you to hear it real quick, right? Because it sounds so good. So now we're going to start the process over again. But instead of thinking in two note groupings, we are going to think in three note groupings. And by adding the third note, we now have at our fingertips the two types of musical motion that exist melodic motion that exists in music, and that's scale motion and arpeggio motion. So now we're going to group the root, the second, and the third together. So now we get this. So I have scale motion, just like I demonstrated. Up to the third and back down. And we also have arpeggio motion from the root to third. Just by adding that third note, I now have at my fingertips both types of melodic motion, scale and arpeggio. So let's bring the ensemble back in. Let's have a little fun with our C, D, and E as our melody notes and see what we can come up with with these three locked hand shapes, right? Going to apply some rhythmic variation, some rhythmic vocabulary, and then try to discover some nice melodic motifs as well. So let's bring the ensemble back in and let's see what we think. Check it out. lot of uh, possibilities there was just three melodic notes using locked hand voicings. So we're going to continue this strategy right through the entire sound. So now we're going to use a three note grouping that consists of the third and then the fourth and the fifth. So we get this E is our melody F and then G. So again I got scale motion going from my E my F to my G, and I also have arpeggio motion going from my E up to my G. Wow. 
So, as always, we're going to bring the ensemble back in. We're going to get comfortable with this three-note grouping. Then I'm going to start manipulating it rhythmically, adding some rhythmic vocabulary and rhythmic vari variation to try to unveil, to discover some melodic motifs. So let's bring the ensemble back in. Let's check it out and see what we think. Here we go. Very nice. So let's continue to march through the sound. Now we're going to group together the fifth, the note G, the sixth, the note A, and the seventh, the note B flat. So our locked hand voicings with those three notes serving as our melody sound like this. Scale motion or arpeggio motion from my G to my B flat. Scale motion. Arpeggio motion. So you know the routine by now, right? Let's get familiar with the shapes. Let's start to add some rhythmic variation, some rhythmic vocabulary to help discover, unveil, illuminate some melodic ideas, motifs, right? So bring the ensemble back in. Let's drop these shapes, these sounds into a musical context and see what we can discover, learn, and play. So here we go. Check it out. Absolutely love it. Just a real quick side note. The reason why we're being so methodical 
going through the sound, using two note groupings, three note groupings. One huge reason, there are several reasons, but one huge reason is to help you become root independent, right? We have to be able to see a sound through the entirety of the sound, from the root all the way through the 13th. And we have to have various entry points. We cannot always just begin on the note C, right? How often, I, when I start working with a student, if they have scale experience or arpeggio experience, they always have scale and arpeggio experience from the root. As soon as we start moving entry points around, the deck of cards collapse because they only can see a sound starting from the root. So one of the huge reasons why we are so methodical in going through the sound with these locked hands, starting from the root, starting from the third, starting from the fifth, starting from the seventh, and so on, is to help you to become root independent. So with that in mind, our next three-note grouping is going to utilize the note B-flat, the seventh, then C the root, and then D functioning as the ninth. So we get this. Nice scale motion, ascending, descending, arpeggio motion from the B flat from the seventh to the ninth. We did it again. There we go. Very nice. So okay, we're going to bring the ensemble back in, get familiar with these locked hand voicings from the 7th to the 9th, utilizing scale motion, arpeggio motion, ascending and descending, add some rhythmic vocabulary, some variation to help illuminate and discover some melodic motifs. Wow, very systematic, very formulaic, very effective, very efficient practicing. So let's bring the ensemble back in, let's drop these shapes, these sounds into a musical context and see what we can discover. Here we go. Check it out. So now, so now we are clearly into the upper extensions of the sound. We're going to start with the note D as our melody, moving to the third, E, and then the note F, which is the 11th. So our locked hands sound like this. D, E, F, E, and D. So nice scale motion, ascending and descending. 
and then arpeggio motion from the ninth to the eleventh, from the note D to the note F. Beautiful. So bring the ensemble back in. Let's go through our routine. We're going to get used to the shapes, the sounds first, then add rhythmic variation, rhythmic vocabulary to illuminate, to discover some melodic motifs. Wow, I love it. So here we go. Let's check it out and see what we think. darn cool, right? Well, if you think that's cool, check this out. We're going to now move from the 11th to the 5th to the 13th of the sound. So we're going to start with F, our 11th, as our melody. Go into our 5th, then go into our 13th, our note A. Wow, I love that sound. So we have scale motion. Ascending and descending, and we also have nice arpeggio motion from the 11th to the 13th. Isn't that great? Wow. All right. Let's bring the ensemble in. Let's get used to these shapes and sounds physically and orally, and then let's begin to manipulate these shapes and sounds using rhythmic variation, rhythmic vocabulary to discover some melodic motifs, some melodic ideas, right? So in essence, what we're doing here is we're improvising harmonically. Pretty cool, right? We always think of improvising melodically, but we're, we've been through this entire podcast improvising harmonically. So here we go. Let's check it out and see what we think.
now successfully taken a look at the C dominant scale, the Mixolydian mode. We've harmonized that, that sound using traditional locked hands. And we've moved basically in scale motion from the root to the seventh using two note groupings. And then from the root to the 13th using three note groupings. So now that you're comfortable and familiar with these locked hand voicings for the C dominant scale for the Mixolydian mode, now, now it's time to actually practice these voicings as a scale and practice these voicings as an arpeggio, right? To kind of test your ability to move from one shape to the next shape to the next shape with ease, with comfort and with ease. So what I want to do right now is I want to play the entire uh, scale, Mixolydian mode, C dominant scale, from the root to the seventh, ascending and descending, straight up, straight down. And I'm going to bring the ensemble in to do this. You're going to hear me play first, starting off kind of using whole notes, and then you're going to hear me shifting to quarter notes. Okay, so let's bring the ensemble in. Let's listen to the C dominant scale, Mixolydian mode, harmonized using traditional locked hands voicings. Here we go. Check it out. to test your ability to play these shapes and these sounds, these locked hands voicings moving through the entire scale, ascending and descending. And once you feel you got a handle on the scale, then it's time to kind of ratchet it up another level and actually play these locked hand voicings through the entire sound as an arpeggio from the root all the way to the 13th ascending and descending. So that's what I want to do right now. I'm going to bring the ensemble back in and I'm going to just play the arpeggio from the root to the 13th and ascending and descending using traditional locked hands voicings. Okay. And I'm going to do the same exact thing I just did on the scale. I'm going to start off with some nice whole notes moving through the entire sound from the root to the 13th and back and then shift into uh, quarter notes. Okay. So here we go. Let's bring the ensemble in, let's check it out and see what we think. Here we go.
try to keep each podcast episode within the hour. <laughs> and it's, it's hard to do because we cover so much ground in such a short period of time. And today was simply no exception. The traditional dominant locked hands voicings, without doubt, is an essential jazz piano skill that require from you a lot of thought, intense study, and of course, relentless practicing. I want to encourage you to map out these voicings on paper, what I call paper practice, right? Sketch them out. And use the podcast packets, the illustrations, and the lead sheets to guide you. The illustrations included in your podcast packets, the illustrations include a paper practice template that will help you map out the harmonization of all 12 dominant scales, right? So use them. And as you've heard me say over and over and over and over and over again, conceptual understanding determines your physical development. So the time you invest in studying and mapping out the traditional locked hands voicings is time very well spent. The return on your investment cannot be adequately expressed. Spend time studying and mapping out these voicings. And most of all, most of all, be patient. This is a big-time jazz piano skill that will, will take time to digest, both mentally and physically. So structure your physical practice after the playing demonstrations that I modeled for you today in this podcast episode, and you will begin to see, you will begin to feel, you will begin to hear your progress. Well, I hope, I hope you have found this Jazz Piano Skills podcast lesson exploring the traditional locked hands voicings for the dominant sound to be insightful and, of course, to be very beneficial. Don't forget, if you are a Jazz Piano Skills member, I will see you online Thursday evening at the Jazz Piano Skills Masterclass, 8 p.m. Central Time to discuss this podcast episode lesson exploring the traditional locked hand voicings for the dominant sound in greater detail and to answer any question that you may have about the study of jazz in general. Again, as a Jazz Panel Skills member, be sure to use the educational podcast packets, the illustrations, the lead sheets, the play-alongs for this podcast lesson and for all the podcast episodes. Be sure to use the podcast packets. Be sure to use the Jazz Panel Skills courses to maximize your musical growth. And likewise, make sure you are an active participant in the Jazz Piano Skills community. Get involved, contribute to the various forums, and most importantly, make some new jazz piano friends. Always a great thing to do. You can reach me by phone, 972-380-8050, extension 211. By email, Dr. Lawrence, drlawrence at jazzpianoskills.com, or by SpeakPipe, found throughout the Jazz Piano Skills website. Well, there is my cue. That's it for now, and until next week, enjoy the traditional dominant locked hands voices. Enjoy the journey, and most of all, have fun as you discover, learn, and play jazz piano.